Good morning and a very warm welcome to our phone service and podcast for Sunday the 26th of June, the second Sunday after Trinity. And the recording comes live from Drung Church uh, last week, uh, where we were looking at Revelation chapter 6 and how to stay safe in Jesus. So I'll hand over to that service now. This morning we're going to begin with a, a great hymn that reminds us of God's holiness, holy, holy, holy. Uh, God's holiness means he's different to us. He's perfectly pure, as this third verse, the end of the third verse reminds us. His holiness is a good thing. He is perfect in power, in love and purity. Let's uh, stand to sing number 321, Holy, Holy, Holy. do be seated. Uh, good morning to you all and welcome to those who have joined us online. Uh, welcome to you as well and welcome everyone here uh, in person. 
It is an all-age service. We're delighted to have children here with us. There's an all-age sheet that Dorothy's got to hand out to, to any children here. And uh, there's a baby change available in the toilet as well if you need that. And we always say we, we'd prefer the children here with a bit of noise than not having them here. So children, you're very welcome. And children, I'd like you to listen in this first reading from Revelation 6 as we continue in our series in Revelation. For how many times you hear the word horse in this first reading from Revelation 6, verses 1 to 8. You can type in the comments online if you're listening online. Uh, how many times do you hear the word horse? And a bonus point if you get the colours as well. Revelation 6, verses 1 to 8. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures, saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the, the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a quarter of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, how many horses did you hear in that reading? How many were there? Yep. Four horses. Did you get their colours? White, red, black and pale. Four horses. We'll be thinking more about what they mean in uh, just a moment. We've sung about God's holiness. And in this reading we, we hear of his judgment. And... The book of 1 John tells us if any of us say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But there's good news. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's a wonderful promise of forgiveness to those who truly repent. So let's come now to Almighty God and say sorry to him using the words of the confession. Together we pray. Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, by what we have done and by what we have failed to do. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Well, because of that wonderful promise from the Lord Jesus that he, he's died for us, we can be forgiven 
I can pray with confidence. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please would you stand to join in the responses at the bottom of page two. O Lord, open our lips. O God, make speed to save us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. We're going to praise his name in our all-age song. Dorothy's going to help us sing this. God sits in the highest place. Sometimes it looks like the world is out of control. But this song and this reading reminds us he's in control. And the third verse tells us he's going to do something. He's going to banish sin and shame. And I see uh, Lucy and Aaron have got the right answer there as well. Well done to you. Let's uh, remain standing and sing. It don't matter what the Bible says, God sits in the highest place. Even when the wicked ones disobey, God sits in the highest place. No, God sits in the highest place. seated as we turn to prayer. And on this Father's Day, the great privilege of calling God our Father. Uh, so let's turn to him in prayer now, in confidence. Let's join in these words on page four of the service card. Together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We continue in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for those who have fathered us. We thank you for their love and their care for us, and for every good done by them. We pray for those for whom today is a hard day, for those who are missing fathers, those who have lost fathers, for those who are separated from children, those who would have loved to have been fathers, and those whose earthly fathers gave a, a poor example of your fatherly love. We ask for your comfort today. We thank you that through faith in our Lord Jesus, we become your dearly loved children 
and can know you as our perfect heavenly Father, from whom we'll never be separated, but only grow closer. We pray for fathers everywhere to point their children to this wonderful truth. Lord, in your mercy. Loving Lord, we were so sad to hear this week of the tragic loss of Benny O'Reilly, and we ask for your comfort for his dear wife, Christina. And on this Father's Day, we pray especially for all his children, for Karen, Joanna, Marcella, Fiona, Ashling, Sharon, Trina, Claire, Freddie, Christopher, Denise, and for Jamie. May they know you as their Heavenly Father and find comfort and strength for the days ahead. Please also be with his brothers, Benny, uh, with Benny's brothers, Michael and Peter, and his sister, Bridget. Please give them comfort and your peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray for things coming up in the next couple of weeks. We do pray for Gary and for Tanya as they prepare for marriage and pray you'd give them a great day. We pray that uh, it would not only be a great day, but a great start to a long married life together. Now, please, would you bless them? And we pray for our holiday club coming up on the 4th uh, to the 7th of July. And thank you for all those who've signed up so far. And we pray for more to sign up and that that would be a great week. We pray for good weather, for safety, and that each child would grow in their knowledge and love of you. We pray for our intense camp as well. And do ask that, again, we'd be blessed with good weather and pray for safety and for children, the young people, to develop lifelong friendships where they'll be supported and encouraged in their faith and pray that those young people would grow in their faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We also continue to pray for the country of Ukraine and at the moment we particularly cry out to you for the city of Siever or Donetsk where 568 people are still trapped in the factory. We ask there may be a possibility for them to leave safely Please meet all of their needs. Please would they know you as the Sovereign Lord. Please would they know your care for them. Please would you meet um, the needs of that area with clean water and sanitation. Please would you prevent the spread of disease. We pray for the defeat of Putin and that you would give Ukraine victory and peace. We pray for many to turn to you in this difficult time and to find hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for wisdom and unity for world leaders, and we pray for grain to be able to get out of the country to help with the food crisis. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for others we know who are suffering at the moment, and we remember Jackie Crow. We pray for Anne and ask that you'd be near to her, and Leon Briardy, thank you that his treatment is going well, and we pray it would continue to be effective and he would get home soon. We pray for Olive Simmons, for Lucy Roberts, and for her treatment to continue to be effective. Please give her strength. Please be with David Riley and may his rehab continue to be helpful. We pray for Maria Turnan, for Abby McDowell, and also in a moment of quiet, any others we know who are suffering in any way or grieving at this time.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your compassion, your compassion you showed as you walked on this earth, as you healed the sick, as you even raised the dead, giving hope beyond the grave. Please comfort the grieving, and please would you help those who are sick. Please be near to them and work for their good, and pray that that good would include uh, healing and a growth in their knowledge and love of you. Lord, in your mercy. The collect, the special prayer for this Sunday, the, the first Sunday after Trinity. God, the strength of all those who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers, and because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing without you, grant us the help of your grace, that in the keeping of your commandments we may please you, both in will and deed, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And we close our prayers by joining together in the third collect for morning prayer on page five of the service card, beginning, Go Before Us. Together we pray. Go before us, Lord, in all our doings, and with your most gracious favour, and further us with your continual help, that in all our works begun, continued, and ended in you, we may glorify your holy name, and finally by your mercy attain everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you'd like to look up there for our second reading, it's in Revelation chapter 6, and we're reading verses 9 to 17. And this time, children, I'd like you to count how many mountains you hear in this reading. Revelation 6, verse 9 to 17. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, how many mountains were there? Yes, three mountains we heard in that reading. And we'll be looking at that in just a moment. But before then, let's stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed on page three of the service card. Together we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, 
I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and their life everlasting. Amen. Please do be seated. There's a, a, a children's sheet that Dorothy's uh, bringing around for the children. I'll tell you when to start filling that in. Um, do keep Revelation 6 open in front of you. And uh, hopefully the children online have got a sheet as well. And we're going to pray for God's help as we look at his word together. Uh, Lord Jesus, your word contains some things that are hard, sometimes hard for us to understand and sometimes hard truths. We pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would give us soft hearts as we hear your word. Please help us to understand uh, the world that you've made and what is happening in it. In Jesus' name, amen. What is going on in the world? I'm sure you are asking that question at the moment, are you not? Uh, to go from two years of COVID uh, to the awful invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And now, of course, the crazy price increases. It does make you ask the question, doesn't it? What is going on with the world? And maybe you would love things to go back to how they were. You'd like to rewind a, a, a few years. Well, does the Bible have anything to say about what's going on in the world and what it all means? Sometimes you may hear people saying something like, if God is all-powerful and all-loving, he would not allow suffering. Uh, and suffering exists, therefore God cannot exist. There cannot be an all-powerful or loving God. Well, what does the Bible have to say about that? Children, we're on number one on the sheet. If you listen, uh, you'll find the answers to that as, as, I, as I speak. Uh, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, we've had a vision of John up into heaven, into the throne room, and we've seen God is totally in control. He's powerful, he's in control. That, that is true. It's been clear he's in control, but also that he's holy and good. And remember, we saw last time he had this scroll. There was a scroll in heaven, which was sealed with seven seals. And that was God's rescue plan for the world and his plan to, to save his people and to destroy evil. And we saw John weeping because there was no one that could open that scroll. No one who could put God's plan to rescue his people and destroy evil into effect. No one was worthy. And John wept until he saw someone who was worthy to open it the lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb who was slain and was now standing. And we saw that that was the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the powerful lion from the tribe of Judah. He is powerful and he's loving because he's the lamb who was slain and is now standing. He's risen. So, so Revelation presents us with a God who is all-powerful and all-loving in our Lord Jesus Christ. And he can open the scroll and its seven seals and it's good news. It's great news. John is told to weep no more. 
But I wonder, as we read chapter 6, as we saw these seals starting to be opened, did it seem like great news? Or did it seem like destruction? It, It didn't seem much like good news, did it? It seemed like lots and lots of destruction, and more destruction, and more destruction. And children, we're on to number two uh, on the sheet, on your question sheet. How can this be good news? Well, the good news really comes in in next week's passage, so do, do come back just before the seventh seal is opened. But even in today's reading, there is some good news. Because suffering is harder to bear when it's just meaningless and out of control. But here in Revelation 6, as awful as the pain is, it is not meaningless. And it's not as chaotic as it might seem or look. It is not out of control. The world is not spinning out of control. In the opening of these seals and in this scroll, we are seeing Jesus' right judgment on a world that is in rebellion against him. And I think that helps. It's a bit like when you go to the dentist. You, you might let uh, the lady come near your face with a drill in a way that you wouldn't let anyone else near your face with a drill. Or if you need an operation, you would allow the surgeon to come at you with a knife in a way that you wouldn't let anyone else near you with a knife. You let them put you to sleep knowing what is going to happen. Why? Because you trust her or him. And here in Revelation chapter 6, it is a relief because we see that Jesus Christ, the powerful lion, And the loving lamb is the one who's in control of it all. He is unimaginably good and totally powerful. He doesn't make mistakes. We've seen he's the lion and the lamb. How do we know he's in control? Well, not only is he worthy to open the seals, but he is the one opening them. Do you see in verse 1, he opened uh, the seal. Verse 1, now I watched when the lamb opened one of the seven seals. And with the first four seals, we see this pattern that Jesus opens the seal. It's like he's peering inside the the envelope. He opens it, and then he commands, uh, or one of the living creatures commands the horseman to come. And one of these four living creatures, they're one of Jesus' servants. And so Jesus is in control as, as this creature calls for the horseman to come. And then the horseman, he can only do what is permitted by Jesus. He is limited in what he can do. There are limits to the destruction. Even though their actions are de- devastating, that they are limited. But look how devastating they are. Each of them is given a, a different colour. And a, a colour means something. A bit like in, in our culture, green. What does it mean if you're at the traffic lights and they go green? You can go. Green, we might say green with envy. Or we might talk about someone who's into the environment as being green, the green party. Or red, if you see a red light, it means stop. If you get blood on your toothbrush, it means danger, doesn't it? Blood means danger, red means danger, it means stop. It might mean anger. Or black is a symbol, isn't it, of mourning, of death. And so in the book of Revelation, colours have meaning. And children, we're on to number three on the, on the sheet. White means conquest. You've got to match the, the colour to the, <coughs> the, the horse to the word. White means conquer or conquest. Red 
is strife or warfare, black is famine, and pale is death. And all of these horsemen are related to one another in some way. It's like there's a pattern. So the first rider rides out conquering. And what happens after the first rider has ridden out to conquer? The second horse comes and and peace is taken away. As the first rider rides out to conquer, it's met with resistance and there's slaying of one another. There's peace is taken away. And then what happens next is the third horse, as a result of the rider riding out to conquer and the war, there's an increase in prices, something we're familiar with at the moment. Look at the increase in prices in verse 6. I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures. That's the voice of God speaking. And he says, a quart of wheat for a a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. That's a bit like saying uh, a pan of bread for a day's wages. That's the bread line, isn't it? It's talking about only having enough bread to eat for the day because a denarius was a day's wages and this amount of wheat was about the amount that a man or a woman would eat in a day. So this is talking about fairly serious increases in prices. According to one writer, uh, this is 8 to 16 times what the normal price would have been in first century Rome. This is a, a significant hike in the prices because of the war that there's been. So there's a rider riding out to conquer, there's war, a result of rising prices, and then what happens is death. When the fourth rider comes out, you see there's death and Hades. These follow on from the war because there's now there's the sword is killing people and the famine is killing people because of the rising prices and the shortage of grain and there's pestilence, that's plague that often follows from warfare and others die from wild beasts. That could be describing our time, couldn't it? It could be. You could see the first rider there, like Putin, he rides out to conquer, doesn't he? He rode out to conquer and he's met by resistance, the second horse, and there's war, people slaying one another. And then the third horse comes and there's an increase in prices, isn't there? Around the world. And then fourth horse, there's famine due to the lack of grain, due to the rising costs, leading to starvation, some dying from the sword, some dying from lack of food, others suffering with the rise in prices, others dying from disease that comes from the, the poor sanitation. That, that could be describing our time, couldn't it? Th- these judgments are certainly happening. And it is enough, it should be enough to make us pay attention to what is going on and to ask the question, what is God doing? But these events are not unique to our time. These disasters have come in every generation. And since John had this vision, since Jesus rose, ascended into heaven, these things have been going on and continue to go on in every generation, from the first century in Rome to the 12th century Genghis Khan to the 20th century Hitler to the 21st century Islamic State and now Putin. The rider rides out to conquer and then there's war. And then there's famine, and then there's death. Just think of the great flu epidemic that came after World War I. So when we see these things happening, we should not be surprised. We shouldn't be shaken in some sense. 
And children, over the page, we're on number four. Match the pictures uh, with the words. This is, a, this is a normal part of living in a world that is under God's judgment. This is what God said would happen and it will get worse. Because the wars and the conflicts and the famines are not God's final judgment. They are serious, aren't they? They're deadly serious, but they're not the end. Because verse 8 tells us that it's devastating. A quarter of the world is killed by sword, famine, pestilence. But, but that's not everyone, is it? It's not the end. There is another judgment still to come that will be far worse. What is God waiting for, though? What, why, why, not, why not do it now? What is he waiting for? And that's the question that's on the, the lips of the martyrs in verse 10. These are people who have died because of their testimony about Jesus, because they've been speaking the word of God to others. They've been doing the right thing. They've loved people enough to, to warn them about the coming judgment. And they've been killed. The world has said, we don't want to hear from you. Get out. Here is Deborah. Deborah, uh, in the Church in Chains magazine, the Irish voice for the persecuted church. Deborah in Nigeria, a school, a leaving school girl. She did well in her exams and she put out a message saying, praise Jesus for her results. And she was killed by Islamic militants in Nigeria. That happens all across the world today and it has been happening since the first century when Stephen was the first martyr we read about in the book of Acts, killed for his testimony about Jesus and his proclamation of the word of God. It's carried on from Stephen all the way through the 20th century. They, they estimate there were four, four, 45 million Christians who were killed. To today in Pakistan, Nigeria, Somalia, North Korea. Christians killed for their testimony about Jesus. And so they're crying out. They're there in heaven. They've gone to be with God in heaven. They're crying out for justice in verse 10. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? They're not saying there's too much judgment. They're saying there's not enough. We need evil to be punished once and for all. We want justice. They're crying out like the, the victims of Hillsborough, seeking continually justice. These ones are saying, God, you're a just God. Will you not bring your justice? They long for God's final judgment. Well, before they get an answer, do you see what God gives them? Verse 11, that each of them is given a white robe. Each of them is known by God, and they're given a white robe, which is a symbol of victory. That color white means victory. They've conquered. These, these are the ones that the world has said, we don't want you. And Jesus says, you're the victorious ones. You've conquered. You stayed faithful to me clothed in a white robe. They looked so weak, but they're precious to Jesus. They were not ashamed of belonging to Jesus, and he is not ashamed of them. They are the conquerors, and they just need to wait a little longer, and then it will be seen. 
What is their wait for? Why, why doesn't God come straight away and judge? Well, verse 11, we're told, I think this is a little bit surprising. Do you see what we're told in verse 11? They were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. There is a number of people that God has said will happen. A number of people will die for their testimony about Jesus and the word of God. Why is that? Why would God ordain that a certain number would die proclaiming Christ? The church historian Tertullian in the second century, as he saw this happening, he wrote and he said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. This is very different to an Islamic martyr, where an Islamic martyr goes and blows himself up or herself up and thinks that they're going to be rewarded for it. Christians don't go and blow themselves up, but Christians do speak about the love of God and speak about the rescue available in Jesus, and sometimes the world doesn't want to hear that, and so they're killed. But then maybe later, the world thinks, what were they trying? why did they love us enough to do that? Why were they prepared to face even death? It seems that as people are, are willing to die for their faith, the message of Jesus' love spreads. And so as awful as it is, God uses it for his purposes. I think of someone like Jim Elliot, who went to South America to reach the Orca tribe. And he went to, to, with four friends and they seemed to be making some progress. And they arranged, to, they used to fly planes around and drop gifts down to the orcas. And they'd shout, they'd learn some phrases in the megaphone. They'd shout, we love you. We want to be your friends. We want to tell you about Jesus. And eventually they arranged to meet them on a beach. And they met them on a beach and they were speared to death. All five of them. And you might think, well, isn't that awful? That's the, that's the end. Well, Jim Elliot said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And incredibly, more missionaries went in the, in the years following. And because of the blood of those who'd already died, proclaiming Jesus, they received the message that time. And there's now a church planted where Jim Elliot was killed. One writer says, they believed the gospel preached because they'd seen the gospel live. Somehow, God uses it to spread his message around the world so that more people will be safe on that last day of judgment. I wonder if you see the patience of God. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He is willing to delay his judgment so that more will be safe. But just as we've seen and we have seen what is happening in these first five seals. You've got to admit they describe the world around us today and in every generation. So what John sees in this sixth seal will also come to pass. Verses 12 to 17. And for those who've not taken refuge in Jesus, it will be terrifying. Children, we're on the last sheet on number five. Number five, the last question. The judgment that is coming there in verses 12 to 17 is universal. It will be the end of the world as we, as we know it. It's picture language that speaks of the end of the world as we know it. 
It will affect everyone from the rich, do you see in verse 15? The kings of the earth, the great ones, the generals, and the rich and the powerful, their money and their influence will not help them to escape it. It will affect the poor as well, the slave and the free. It will affect the conquerors, those who, who, who even were, were bringing God's judgment in a sense on the earth by being one of the horsemen. They will face God's judgment for the evil that they did. Because we're told here, the kings of the earth, the great ones, the generals, those who rode out conquering, they will face God's wrath. And yet, even as they see this coming judgment, even as they're warned about it, they refuse to repent. And instead, they try to hide. They call on the mountains and the rocks to fall on them. Verse 16, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They try to hide, but there's nowhere to hide. Jesus, remember we've seen, has the seven eyes. He's all-seeing. He sees everything. There is nowhere to hide from the Lord Jesus Christ. These once powerful men are calling to creation to cover them. And what are they terrified of? They're terrified of the wrath of the Lamb. The one who is so weak that he laid down his life, so loving that he laid down his life. But now they face him in judgment because they've rejected him. We're used to hearing Jesus gentle and mild, and he is. He's so gentle, he's so compassionate. As we read the Gospels, we see his gentleness, his love. But have you ever been hurt by someone? I'm sure you have, haven't you? And have you ever tried to reconcile? Maybe as a, as a Christian, you've gone to someone and said, look, can we sort this out? I'm willing to forgive you. But as you've offered forgiveness, it's been thrown back in your face. And doesn't it hurt all the more? Well, Jesus is rightly angry at the way we've treated him, the way our world has treated him, the way we've treated his people and his creation. And yet he is so loving, he's willing to offer forgiveness. He came at enormous cost to himself, to this earth, to give his life, holding out forgiveness. And what do people do? Perhaps, perhaps use his name as a swear word. Think so little of him. How much more angry will he be when people throw it back in his face, that he's died for them, he's done everything to, be, to make it possible to be forgiven, and yet people say no. How much more angry will he be? The wrath of the Lamb that is terrifying even for the rich and the powerful, the kings of the earth and the generals. What is going on in the world? The book of Revelation gives us a different pair of glasses to, to look through. As we look around the world and we see the plagues, the wars, as we drive past the petrol pumps and see the increase in prices, as we go to the supermarket and experience it for ourselves, we should not say, if God is all-powerful and all-loving, he would not let this happen. But rather we ought to see our world has angered God by rejecting him as ruler. That is why this has happened and is happening. This is a wake-up call. As we see a world of unrest, we should turn back to him. 
but instead people hide from him. As we see wars and plagues and disease, don't panic, because these are part of God's judgment on a world that is in rebellion against him. But do pray and do weep for those who are caught up in it, because they're no worse than us. Do pray for Christians like Deborah to stand firm even in the face of severe opposition. And pray for those who you know who are not trusting in Jesus, who at the moment will not stand on that day when the wrath comes. And of course, ask yourself that question at the end of verse 17 that we'll be thinking about more next week. The great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? Who is able to stand on that day? Because there's only one way to stay safe, and that is in Jesus Christ, the Lamb who gave his life for us. Let's pray as we close. Lord Jesus, your word makes sense of our world. And we pray we would see these signs in the world around us and understand them through the lens of your word. Please may we see them as loving judgments and warning signs. Please may we turn to you personally as our lamb, as the one who died for us, that we will be safe. And please would we be those who pray for others and urge others to find safety in you. Please be with those suffering at the moment and may they take refuge in you and know your love and compassion and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In, in just a moment we're going to sing a song that uh, r- reminds us of what we've heard about who can stand. The third verse tells us who can stand. Uh, the third verse tells us in the third line on the back page, Jesus, our Messiah, holds forever those he loves. That's the way to stand, is in Jesus, the one who, who does hold his people, even through death, he holds us. Let's stand and sing together, is he worthy? It's a question and answer uh, response as we see and feel the world is broken and we see creation groaning, but we see Jesus is in control of it all. Let's uh, stand to sing. Do you wish that you could see?
Thank you for joining us for our service today. Uh, this week we've got Bible study happening in the rectory at 8.30 on Wednesday evening. And don't forget uh, our holiday club and camp for teenagers coming up soon as well. Uh, we'll close with the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.